0: guys welcome to big church online we are so excited that you've joined us today if you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement you've come to the right place while you're here please subscribe like comment share that way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well now let's get this week's sermon in progress i just want to welcome i don't know i'm just kind of overwhelmed right now just a little bit this morning and that's okay, that's okay. I think sometimes God, just, you just need to get in the presence of God and just allow him to overwhelm you, allow him to pull you into a different place that maybe you're not used to or you're comfortable in. Uh, if you don't know if this is your first time or your second or time or third time, this is not comfortable church. We want people to come out of their comfort zone and we want people to come out and, and, and go into the place where God wants you to be. So, welcome to the continuation of basic training, and I am so thankful. I love this uniform. I've not had to pick out an outfit for three weeks. Praise the Lord. I've not washed this uniform in three weeks either. Hey, I'm trying to get the real effect of this thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, it's a little stanky, but it's going to be okay, but... But we know, we now know that we're in a war and we have a real enemy. You know, we've talked about that for the last couple of weeks, but, and we've had some testimonies to that. Pastor Isaiah and I, this week, I'm telling you what, I have felt like, I ain't going to say poop in church, but I guess I have felt like that, oh, I guess I just said it. I have felt horrible this week, and I know he's been battling for all week too with all this stuff going on. And you may not think that, but that's spiritual warfare because I had one whole day where I couldn't even focus on coming up and, and, and putting this message together. So uh, we are in a battle. We're in a spiritual war, and we have testimonies from other people who have said, man, since you all started this thing, why did we start this sermon series? <laughs> well, it's because I want you to be educated I want you to understand that when you start going through the war and the battles, which I'm saying you are going to go through, you're going to know how to fight these battles. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the weapons that we can use in our warfare. Next week, we're going to talk about our mind. Oh, my goodness, how many have a battlefield with the mind? Everybody in this place, times two. But, uh, but last week, we learned that basic training is pretty intense. It's, it's geared towards the principles of submission, and there's the word we don't like, and discipline. And we also learned that we have to work together as a team, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But most importantly, it instills the core values of honor and of courage and of commitment. But in this next phase of of training, we're going to understand that it's called about developing your combat skills. We're going to develop our physical, come on, we may do some jumping jacks, but we're going, to, we're going to develop our physical and also our mental training. But here's the good thing. It's about building your confidence and learning how to overcome obstacles. There are many obstacles in our life. And when, tra- when soldiers start to go through, there's a 50-foot wall. Can I just give you context of what 50 feet? Bobby and I, we went around this thing, this whole building painting and doing things, and we were on a, what, a 12-foot scaffolding probably, Bob? Okay, I almost fell off that thing three or four times. I was scared to death to climb to the top of it. That's 12 feet. Take these, this uh, uh, ceiling and times it times five. That's how tall that is, man. I would be so scared. I'm scared of heights anyway. But they had to. Part of their training is they had to go through the obstacle course and learn how to um, to learn how to do the wall. Sorry, just a little bit. I'm I'm loud anyway already. But you know what also I started thinking about if you ever see anybody surf, we went to Florida and we were watching them surf, and this past time we were there, right before the hurricane, there was some huge waves out there. When I say huge, these were like six to eight foot waves, right? Those were big for Daytona Beach. But I watched a documentary about surfing, and some of these guys look like little ants on top of these on top of these waves. I mean, they're up on fifty foot waves, and can you imagine falling off of that? So I just put that into context about what this obstacle looks like to these soldiers. They're getting ready to go up, repel it and go over to the other side. But today we're going to talk about some big obstacles, but what about the small obstacles in our life? Like, what's the obstacle of trying something new? Anybody like change in here? Oh, my wife loves change. None of the rest of y'all do. But change is very hard and change can be an obstacle in your life and it may not be something big. It could be a new job that you've started. Come on, it could be a new baby. How many have a new baby in here or around new babies in here? Come on, there we go, come on. You get all out of your routine. We're gonna watch watch Bubba for two or three days after this is over with, and I'm sure our routine is going to be disrupted, but we are ready for that routine though, right, honey? She's so happy. But, but it could be a new, new routine. Something small that just throws us off, of course. We could have disagreements. Anybody have a Facebook disagreement with anyone? Does anybody just get on Facebook to fight? Oh, I'm about to pray for y'all in here. Come on, you see those things, you put something out there, and you're just waiting and ready for them to go. But that could also be be an obstacle in your life. Sometimes disagreements with family can be an obstacle. And sometimes they're not small, sometimes they're huge. But the enemy always throws those relationships in as an obstacle. But you could be in your workplace, and maybe you got a coworker that's getting on your last nerve. Come on, anybody out there? Maybe you have a boss. You better not say nothing, Johnny. Maybe you have your boss that's annoying that gets on your last nerve. My wife is my boss and she gets, never gets on my nerve. But let me talk to you this morning about obstacle number one. It's called fear. Fear is this. Put that acronym up there. Fear is false evidence that appears real stole that one it was good false evidence that appears real the enemy tries to make you see things and sometimes they're not even there come on listen we often think of fear as some big thing in our life but 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 what about the small ones that add up Because what happens is is the little small fears seem to add up and then they get you in a place called stuck. Fear wants to keep you complacent. Fear wants to keep you comfortable. And it keeps you from trying the new things and moving forward into whatever, not just what God wants you to do. It keeps you from moving forward into your life, into your job, into every situation that you're in. It keeps you stuck in that place. It keeps you from trying new things. And listen, I'm not When your kids go to big kids, they're not being babysat. Can I just let y'all know that? I've got some comments here, and I just want you to know, big kids, they've been teaching how fear and how being scared can affect us. Anybody scared of spiders in here? Listen, they're this big, and all you got to do is stomp on them. But I've seen some grown men go crying like a baby, running across the room because a spider rolls out. Come on, just snap. How many, when you were growing up, were scared of the monster under your bed? Literally, I can remember going and not wanting to put my foot on the ground. Had to go to the bathroom so bad, but I knew there was something under my bed. that and You didn't even let your leg hang out over the bed a little bit. <laughs> Come on, something will snatch you right up. Oh, I got some people telling the truth in here. <laughs> but listen, what they're teaching our kids and big kids they're learning that God is real, and that we have a weapon with our God, and that's called prayer. And listen, we got to ask God to help us to overcome all of the fears that we have, because fear does start when we're young. So I want to teach our kids right now that when they come against the fear, that we have a real God who is with them each and every day. Come on. Another thing, fear produces; it makes you feel disconnected. Come on, there's some that's a, a spirit of disconnection right now in the world we live in. Listen to John fifteen five, and and I'll tell you this, man. It says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. My love my love loves to talk about fruit. From apart me you can do nothing. We're having a men's group, and the men's group is is, is being really good. We had a really good turnout the last time. If you're not part of it, see me afterwards, we'll get you. We had a bunch of guys show up. But what I like is the group me that we've been doing and also the Facebook thing we've been doing. It's giving me ideas and perspectives and doing a devotion together each week. But one of my guys said this. said, Jesus is telling us, I stole this from him, but he don't care. Jesus is telling us that we are the supply vine. That he is the supply vine, and we, and he is all we need. We, the branches, need to stay connected to him. He said, my biggest fear is every day is failure. I don't want to let people down, especially God. So many times we walk through, we're trying to please everyone. We're, we're, we're walking on eggshells around everyone, and, and we don't want to let no one down. And especially during the week, we feel like we're going to let God down every time we have a thought, every time we go. Come on. We think we're gonna let God down all the time. And listen, he said, I always wanna fix the issue and I disconnect myself from the vine and I feel like I can do it myself. We got any do-it-yourselfers out there? Amen, come on, I can fix this. Most men are that way. But most often when I do these things, it doesn't work out well. It's always best that if I wait for him and do it his way, he does all the fixing. Can I get an amen? Come on. When we stay connected to the vine, we grow stronger, we produce fruit, and we connect other people to the vine. That's why we have to stay connected. It's also easy to, get, uh, uh, easy to fear and get discouraged or disconnected and not step out. But we need to remind ourselves that God did not create us that way. 2 Timothy says this. It says, For God has not given us, listen to me, a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're going to talk about how to change our mind next week. Jesus is the author of your story. He wrote it. He's going to finish it. He said he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Help us and help our church to replace the obstacle of fear with faith. You know what else fear can lead you to? It can lead you to disappointment, which also leads you to discouragement. Disappointments come in many, many, many packages. You can have a job loss. You can have a broken relationship. You can have financial insecurity. And you can even be disappointed in church. Yeah. People leave because they get disappointed in church. Instead of trying to find out who the real... Oh. Ooh. Let's just... Another one of my guys said this. I fear... I will disappoint my wife. Listen, these are men opening up. You don't get that. We sat around a fire at Johnny's house last week. We had men opening up. That's what we need in the body of Christ right now. He said, I fear I will disappoint my wife. I fear I'll disappoint my kids and my family, but most of all, I fear I'm gonna disappoint myself. I get in my own head, there he goes into the mind, and I think, why haven't I done more with my life? That's when the past failures come in. That's when the enemy comes in. He creeps in and it's like sinking quicksand, slowly pulling me back and pulling me away from what God wants me to be. Oh, come on. There's people feeling real things right now. Can I tell you what? Jesus felt real things. Jesus understands your disappointments. He poured his life into 12 disciples. And when the going got tough, the tough got going. You pour your life into someone, and they leave you. You think Jesus didn't feel disappointed when Peter, who he poured his life into, denied him three times? They all ran away when he needed him the most. He had people who didn't understand him. He had people who didn't believe him. He healed people who didn't even give him a thank you. Don't you know Oh, don't you know that he felt the same things we feel sometimes when people walk out of our lives, when people don't say thank you. I had a, oh, help me, Jesus. Younger generation, listen to me. I had a boy coming, bringing a cart around Kroger, and he looked like he was about 18 or 19 years old, and he ran right into my cart. I didn't run into him. He ran into me, and I said, I'm sorry. He looked at me and went right on. Oh, man, I wanted to follow him right down that aisle and say, didn't your mama or your daddy teach you any better than that? Come on, y'all know what we mean. We live in a thankless world right now and we need to raise our kids to say please and thank you and and yes, ma'am and no, sir. Come on. Oh, there's sometimes I want to jerk a knot in this generation. You can tell I'm from the country and I like it that way. But listen, Disappointments are part of your life, but you can't let them rule your life. Psalms 118 says this. Listen to this verse. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me, and he set me free. The Lord is for me so, what will I have to fear? What can mere people do to me? Listen, during those times of discouragement and disappointment, you got to know that God is on your side. If He's for you, who can't be against you? You got to know we got the strong man on our side. Obstacle number three complacency. Ooh. This tool is being used against, and I want y'all to listen to, listen to this. It's being used against the Capital C church and us. There are churches closing at an alarming rate. If I gave you this, I didn't put the statistics down here. It's an alarming rate. Attendance for church is at an all time low in the history, wow. history of the church. Because people are saying it's not relevant. It's not important, and it's definitely not a priority. There's so much division going on. We're talking about more about politics than we are about Jesus Christ. Oh, man, I feel like an evangelist in here this morning. I'm telling you this morning, there's things going on. There's an obstacle in the church. There's just an overall heaviness. The finances in the church are down. You know why people are afraid? There is spiritual warfare over your money. You want to release something? I'm not giving you a tithes and offerings message. I'm telling you, you want to release the blessings of God, start releasing your money to him and find out what he does. That one was for free. If we don't stop, listen, if we don't start fighting to overcome this obstacle, we are going to have nothing or no one to pass the torch to. This generation wants to see transparency. They want to see authenticity. They want to have somebody who's real. They don't want telling them something they want to hear. Oh, there's times I want to tell them what they want to hear, but they want to see it. Seeing is believing. Remember, the military creed says, I will leave no one behind. I will always place the mission First, Hebrews 10, 25 says this. She hasn't told me to slow down one time. I must not be going too fast. Praise God. And let us not neglect. Listen to this. This is why it's important for you to be here. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. It's not just talking about church. There were people walking away from Christ. Can I tell you there's people not only walking away from the church. Oh, we have people that I don't know where they're at right now. They're not in church anywhere that used to be sitting in this house. They're neglecting. They're walking away from Jesus, not just the church. That's why we need each other. Especially, it says, now that the day of his returning is drawing near. I know we don't talk about that, but Jesus Christ is coming soon. And I'm telling you, he's coming here for a spotless bride. And that's you, Oh, come on. I feel like the old time preachers right now this morning. He's coming back. He's looking for the bride. He is telling them they need to draw closer together. They need to rekindle the fire that they used to have. And he's encouraging them that more and more, don't turn your back. We need each other. We're going through a hard time. We need each other. We, the church, should be more committed than, any, than ever to making church a priority. But listen, I'm going to say this slow. I even, I, I even put this in parentheses. Let's start looking as obstacles as opportunities. What the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it for good. What he meant for evil in your life, and what he meant for the situations in your life, he can turn it for good. Let me just tell you something right now. He can turn your pain into a platform. He can turn that test you've been through your whole life into a testimony. I know that sounds cliche, but let me tell you something. There is something that you've gone, oh, I feel good this morning. There is something that you've gone through that you will be able to help someone get to the other side of, and only you will be able to help them in their pain. And listen, the hospital court's hard, but it makes soldiers out of civilians. Yes, a five-mile hike is rough, but it helps build your endurance. Yes, following orders is not easy. Yes, dear, I don't do it as well as I need to. But it's meant to teach you discipline and submission. I haven't learned. She's saying I haven't learned that one yet. I always try to throw that verse out there, submit, wife, submit, submit. And she's like, yeah. Yeah. She does submit to me. I, I'm not, I, am, I don't want to make that sound bad. She does. No, no, I'm not throwing it under the bus. She does submit to me. Every time I say something, she said, yes, sir. She even salutes me. <laughs> All jokes aside, I have a very, very awesome wife who, come on. <laughs> and let me be honest. I absolutely love to joke on her. And let me just, I, I'm going I'm to give you this a little bit. This is for, for free. We're, we're still good. The steakhouse will be open. But I remember when we first started, because of her past, because of what she had been through in her life, and what the enemy had done to her mind, and the things that had really happened to in her life, she couldn't take a joke. And I am one of the biggest jokesters around, and I like sarcasm. Do we have any sarcastic people in the house? Oh, sometimes we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. And I can remember preaching one time and doing the same thing. She's laughing now, but there was about 10 years ago when afterward she'd start crying on the front row. And afterwards I would be like, okay, what did I do? Well, you did this, you said this. And then it would turn into being mad at me all the way home and not speak to me. But listen, she's been healed from that. God can take your pain and turn it into a platform. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm trying to learn how to submit better, baby. Here we go. Another golden phase of this training is learning how to navigate direction. I have, I am a mess. I have been lost so many times with GPS. How many of y'all passed by someplace? For the third time, after I told you to go left and you didn't go left, I had a lady that told me where it is. And I mean, I went through there and said says, turn left into the parking lot. I said, this is an empty vacant lot. Where in the world do you want me to turn? It's got a gate around it. So I circled the block three or four times and it kept telling me to go right. And I was like, where am I going to go? Finally, I look off in the distance and there's a lady going, I'm right here. I'm like, lady, how am I supposed to get in there? It's gated. There was a little spot about the size a car could go through to get into that place. But so many times, we have GPS and we still get lost. When we're lost, we try to figure it out or we try to let other people tell you how to get to your destination. Come on, so many times we listen to what everybody else's opinion is or, or, or what they think, and, and before too long, we are so off track that we don't know how in the heck we ended up in a vacant lot somewhere, but that's where we're at now. Here's the bad thing. We as Christians cannot let the world tell us which direction we're going in. We got to use God and the Holy Spirit as our GPS. We think we need to know God's whole plan for our lives, And so many times we make so many wrong turns because we try to do it our way. Sometimes you got to plug into the Holy Spirit, and you got to focus on the next step in your life, the next turn in your life. If he says turn left, turn left. If he tells you to turn right, turn right. I can remember going to Cain's house the first time. He lives out in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, and and she turned off the GPS and was going to be my own GPS. She turned right at Highway 463. By the time we got there about 30 minutes later, I was very annoyed. But we got to where we needed to go with my beautiful GPS. Sometimes you just have to focus on the next step. Another goal of training is learning to march together. Watch this clip. In the infantry, ride in the cavalry. March, march, march. If you didn't know, that's Bubba. That's our Bubba right there. We got him for three days. I might want—I'll be ready to give him back after three days. But we're good. But soldiers must learn how to march together, or they're going to be tripping all over each other, or they're going to cause everyone else to be tripping all over each other. Listen, don't be a stumbling block. First Corinthians says this. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin. I will never eat that meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. What are the ways that you can make someone stumble? If any believer sees you do something or hears you do oh, come on, and it doesn't line up to what God says to do, you are their example. Did you notice he didn't do it right the first time? But as soon as he looked over and watched how I was marching, He learned how to march. He was just going along right here. But once he looked over and he glanced, he saw, this is the way you do it. You pick your feet up and you stomp your feet, which he loved that. But listen, your example is gonna help someone march in this direction or that direction. Nothing that you do or nothing that you say is totally neutral. Jesus said this, you're either gathering for me or you're scattering people away. I know this is hard. If this is your first time, I, I know this is hard, but sometimes you've got to have hard words and sometimes you've got to have a message to, to get us stirred up in what God wants us to do. He said, you're either gathering for me or you're scattering for me. You've got to consider others' welfare before because every word and every action that you do, positive or negative, affects someone around you. Please, please. Please stay off of social media if you have nothing good to say. Please don't give a platform to someone who's going to look at you and say, man, if they're doing that, it must be okay. If they're negative, it must be okay to be negative. If they're in that place, it must be okay to be in that place. I'm telling you right now, people are watching you, and especially if you call yourself a Christ follower, you have opened yourself up to a whole lot of scrutiny. Some of it is way too whack, but there's also stuff that we need to be doing that we're not doing. Spending time, overcoming obstacles, I'm a half done, y'all. Spending time, overcoming obstacles, learning how to navigate, and marching together does this. It helps you develop your skills of self-discipline and teamwork. And here's what it also does. It helps you to identify, come on, our enemy's tactics. Here's the first one he throws at you. Condemnation. Timmy was trying out his new slingshot at his grandparents' farm, and he got the bright idea to shoot at one of the ducks. Guess what? He hit the duck and killed the duck. So he panicked, and he hid the duck in the woodpile. pile, and, but all the while, his sister saw everything that happened. Come on, listen to this story. After lunch, Grandma said, Hey, Ann, will you help me with the dishes? And she said, Oh, I think Timmy... Wants to do the dishes. Then she whispered to Timmy, remember the duck? The next day, Grandma offered to take Timmy into town and and do some things with him. And Aunt Aunt said, I think Timmy wants to stay home and do all of my chores for me. And then she again whispered to him and said, remember the duck? After several days, Timmy couldn't stand any longer. He went to Grandma. He said, I confess I did it. I killed it. You know what grandma did? She hugged him. She said, I know, Timmy. I saw it all from the kitchen window. And here's what I did. I I forgave you right then and there. He said, why didn't you tell me? He said, I want." she said, I wanted to see how long it was going to take you. and was making a fool out of you. I wanted to see how long you were going to let her do that. And use that to have control over you. Listen, that's what God says to us when we continue to worry about our forgiven sin. He says, because I love you, I forgave you at that point in time. So many times we Oh, but the enemy comes in and he wants to start rehearsing everything in your mind. He's the accuser. And he uses condemnation, which is an expression of strong disapproval. But he says, here's what he does. He'll bait you into something. Sometimes he don't have to bait us too hard. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we just, we hook, line, and sinker go. But he'll bait you into something, and also then he'll turn right around and condemn you for it. He's always in your mind, who we're going to talk about next week. It says how bad you are, that you'll always be this way, and he'll always be back there whispering, don't you remember when you did this? Don't you remember when you were that or this? Which what it does, it keeps us from, keeps us rehearsing the past in our life. Listen, let me just, let me enlighten you on something. We were all condemned. We were all guilty until Jesus. First John says this, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Listen, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Oh, come on. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He pleads our case, and he stands up for us in the courtroom when the enemy is condemning us and pointing his crooked little bony finger at it. and he is telling you, not guilty. It's been forgotten. First John says this. Here's some more Bible. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident, listen, confident. When we stand before God, even if we're guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. (laughs) Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. But let me tell you something. Conviction is a totally different thing. Let's look at the woman in adultery. She was caught in the act. She was brought by the Pharisees, by the people who thought they did no wrong. And she was laid out there and she was condemned. She said, this woman has been caught in the middle of adultery. She needs to die. That's what the law says. And look what Jesus said. He said, then those who heard it. here, No, 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 no. I'll back up. He reached down in the sand and he started writing something in the sand. And he got up and he looked around. There's three or four of them started moving. He reached down again and he wrote something else in the sand. And about four or five of them left. He did it a few times and they all started leaving. And he said this. He said, those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. What do you think he wrote in the sand? They were, they were getting hurt for adultery. He probably wrote thief. He probably, oh, you're cheating on your wife there, Sam. Uh, Hey, hey Mike, what are you doing over here? You lied on your taxes last year. Oh, I'm I'm about to meddle with somebody. (laughs) When Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one here to condemn you? She said, no, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Listen to this last. Go and sin no more. Conviction, he said they were convicted by their conscience. Conviction is the Holy Spirit telling us what we are currently doing is wrong. Well, listen, we have a moral compass, we have a conscience. We th- used to think, oh, my conscience told me this, and my conscience told me that. But listen, that's that, that, that is that Holy Spirit leading and guiding you into the place where you need to go. Now, some people are farther along, and and God's convicting them a little less of certain things. But we, when we get convicted, we're still guilty, and it should lead us to repentance. But only when we truly repent, we can say it's gone. The Bible says when you truly repent, and you turn from your sins. It says this, they're cast as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says they're cast, oh, you ought to be happy. Your sins are cast in the depths of the sea to be remembered no more. It said to take your sin from scarlet to white. Oh, Jesus. Another tactic he uses is strongholds. Strongholds are something that's set up That locks you by deception. Living something that's really not true or anything that exalts itself pretending to be bigger than our God. Listen, the enemy does not have any power of you. He's just convinced you. He's just lied to you that he does. And we've listened to him. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Come on. The more lies you believe about yourself, the more powerful he becomes in your life. What do strongholds do? They steal your focus. They make you feel controlled. They consume your emotional and physical energy. And they distract you from your purpose. They rob you from what God has intended from you. We've learned how to fight. And the creed says how to engage any foe anywhere. And 2 Corinthians says this: we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God and we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We are soldiers of the cross. We are soldiers of Jesus and how do we fight? We have to learn how to follow orders. We have to learn how to take orders and you have to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit so you can be sure it's his voice that you're listening to and not the voice of the enemy. We have to learn how to overcome and adapt to hard situations. Listen, you cannot trust your emotions. If we trust our emotions, we're going to be totally crazy all the time, right? Because your emotions are going to let you down. You have to be able to stand on the word of God and with the authority of Jesus Christ say, command you evil spirit, leave my mind, leave my... Come on, you have to start speaking a thing to make it come to pass. Greater is he that is living in you than he's in the world. We have to be subject to inspections. Stories about inspections in the barracks, that if they pass the inspection, they got a weekend pass. And this one story was that 37 of them passed the inspection. Two of them didn't. Those who passed the inspection were so happy. Hey, we're getting a weekend pass. This is going to be great. Until the drill sergeant said, because of the failures of those two, we're all going to stay here and clean. Can you imagine how they felt towards those two soldiers? The drill sergeant didn't want to do this to be cruel, but he wanted to do this to teach them that they were part of a unit and they were not individuals only. Can I just tell you something? We are in this together and we got to get a motto saying, I will not leave anyone behind. You can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. You are responsible for each other. God's purposed us in our life to become a full devoted soldier. But because we're in a real war and I'm winding down, this is the cue for the band to come up. We are in a real war. This has been a little longer, and I asked some people, and they said, you know, as long as it's teaching us something, don't worry about the length of time. But we're in a real war with a real enemy, but I want you to understand something. We have someone on our side. Jesus is on our side. Holy Spirit is on our sides. And here's the good part of the battle that we're in and the war that we in: We've already won. But pastor, it doesn't look like it. I don't know. You need to read the back of the book. We won. But he says we have to endure hardships as soldiers while we're here. The blood and the cross took victory over the enemy. And Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil, destroy death and who caused it. Jesus went to hell and said, I'm back. He's overcome. He's overcome. And because he has overcome, we can overcome. Psalms 4:8 says this. I will lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Listen, it may feel like it's, there's turmoil. Maybe there's feel like chaos in your life right now. But you can have peace in the middle of war. You can have hope. When everything around you looks hopeless, we live in a hopeless world. People have lost hope. If y'all would stand with me, please. We're fighting a battle, but we fight in the power of God, not in our own selves. And maybe you've never accepted Jesus this morning. And listen, I'm going to encourage you to make him the commander of your life. Oh, that sounds like, oh, commander. That sounds like, until we get to a place of surrender. Until we get to the place of bow down. Until we get to the place to say, okay, God, I've tried it my way. It's not working out very good. Jesus is looking for us to submit to him this morning and acknowledge him and say, I can't do this on myself. I've been trying to do it on my own and I just can't do it anymore. Listen, if that's you, bow your head with me real quick. If that's you this morning and you've been trying to do it on your own and you haven't you've been, and you're not quite there, can you lift up your hand for me? I see, I see those hands, I see all those hands. One thing you can start doing is just saying, God, I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. We all need his forgiveness each and every day. But this is a different thing. We're asking him to come in and be the commander and Lord of our lives. He says, I want you to do that and sign up and serve with me. And can I tell you something this morning? If you are in a battle and the enemy wants to make you feel like you've messed up so bad, Or too bad that you can never join back up. What happens is isolation leads to disconnection. And he said, I'm the vine. Just get connected to me again. Can I tell you this this morning? We're here for you. This church family is here for you. We're better together. When we try to be Lone Rangers, uh, it doesn't work out too well for us. We need friends. We need crews, we need people around us to help us and lead us and guide us in the right direction. So this morning, I'm gonna ask you, community means common unity. Despite our differences, despite our color, despite our preferences, God is looking for us to come together and know that we have one thing in common, and that's Jesus Christ and he who saved me. So this morning, If you've never made that confession to Jesus, these altars are open. The prayer team will be on the left and the right up here. But also, if you're going through a battle this morning, come on, we want to be here to pray with you. We want to be here to fight with you. So as they get ready to sing this song, I'm going to ask you not just to say, okay, we're singing a song and then we're going to go eat. This is our time to let God change things in our life. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit MyBigChurch.com or follow us on social media at MyBigChurch. We love you guys. See you soon.